When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. I am your host, Corey O'Flanagan, and as always, this podcast is proudly a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Please, please, tell a friend, tell your family. Scream it from the rooftops. Let people know about this show because we want to keep bringing it to you. Today, we have a tremendously talented guy by the name of Brandon Lowry. Or is it Baby Fuzz? Or Sterling Fox? Yeah, it really just depends on what medium you catch him in as he is a multi-talented producer, songwriter, and performer. Today we are chatting with him about his latest project, Baby Fuzz, some of his past projects with the likes of Avicii and Gym Class Heroes, and taking on a solo U.S. tour in a somewhat converted van. Pretty interesting stuff, really talented guy, I'm really liking his music, so please, please enjoy Brandon Lowry. Um, I do. So let's just kind of jump into this new track because I just was making a piece of chicken and, and listening to it with my girlfriend, and it's just such a fun one. Welcome to the future. Um, album of the same name. Why is a song? Why? Why? Where did the song kind of come from for you? Uh, I wrote it uh, maybe like 2015, 2016. So it's kind of okay. Old. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, and the idea came. Yeah, I wrote it with two other people, actually. Um, this guy, Eric Nally, who is okay. in this band called Foxy Shazam. And he was also like the singer on that song, Downtown. You remember that Macklemore song that was like big for a year? Yeah, like, yeah. That, yeah, anyways, doesn't matter. And then this other guy, Scott <laughs> Harris, who's like a kind of a songwriting wonk guy from L.A., who's like written for Shawn Mendes. And anyways, conceptually, the song... Um, yeah, it's just like about dystopia, basically. Yeah. Where, you know, your preconceptions about what the future would be like uh, manifest once you actually get there. And it's not anything like you thought it was going to be. And, yeah, and it's like, got a lot of sarcasm to it. I mean, yeah, you're kind of giving shit to the, to the you know, the suburban housewives and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's a lowbrow song. So it's like, here we are. It's so futuristic. Actually, it's like messed up. Um and yeah it's just it's supposed to be a very tongue-in-cheek song but there's also some messaging behind it where it's like yeah hey wake up you know we gotta it's kind of an environmentalist song at the end of the day it's like I've been 
Summer for a year now. It's been a crazy couple weeks. I got tangled in a fishing net and harpooned by a creature with a beard gut. Well, that was that was kind of that definitely comes from that realm, and it got me when I was reading a little bit more about you. It sounds like you grew up in Pennsylvania, and your dad worked at a coal plant. Yeah, he worked that, in a factory for thirty factory? years, and then a coal plant for I don't know, like ten years after that. So yeah, it's real salt of the earth. And I was wondering folks. if seeing like being brought up around that kind of got environmentalism into your head because I grew up on the opposite end. My dad was worked for the DNR as an environmentalist. Oh, and so I was kind of like, like I was, it was recycle and, and like, we've been on it my whole life. And I think we're about the same age. I was born in 82 and um, it's very, I just wondered if kind of you kind of, if your dad and your family was recognizing, like working at these coal plants, like, wow, there's these plumes of smoke going and you guys were just like, Oh, this isn't great. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was that if I'm honest with myself. I mean, I think that kind of, you know, after you kind of like watch that for years, I think maybe that more so shaped my desire to like want to be a musician as opposed to like working for a, a Got it. multinational conglomerate company that doesn't care about its workers. So maybe okay. that influenced me from like a labor perspective or kind of like life choices. But I don't think the... Um, environmentalism came from that i think it was more um just about like a general concern that like the that we're gonna ruin the world i mean it was pretty broad yeah. but um and it also comes from a place of like uh i care about animals a lot like i like yeah animals are cute and uh <laughs> <laughs> uh i just yeah i just feel like um i think as like a lot of people do like a general concern about what's happening to the world at large and that it might not be habitable for a lot of people in the future and i think you know that's it's kind of like just an awareness of that and i didn't i don't think i'm i wouldn't consider myself an activist necessarily i mean i do what i can but um i just think even if you're not an activist i think at this point yeah, you should be aware of climate change and and trying to be work toward working towards solving that and and helping out a little bit I think yeah. that, that falls on everybody at this point, you know, and I, yeah. if you're not on board, then, you know, you got to wake up to these kinds of things. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, I, just any kind of messaging, the more songs that are written like this that can get that kind of message out, the better it's going to be because, I mean, we only get really one crack at this thing. If we ruin it, then yeah, the experiment yeah. fails. And I guess with Welcome to the Future, I wanted, I didn't want to want it to come off didactically in that, like, Oh, we got to do this. Like you got to do this, you know, in the yeah. way that you get from a lot of swarmy Hollywood types where it's like, you got, you know, it's up yeah. to us, you know, you're not preaching. I am, but I didn't want to do it in like a preachy kind of way. I wanted it to be hilarious or, or at least just like funny and, and just point out kind of inconsistencies, the way people live. I mean, do what you want. I don't care. Like I, it's just a song I wrote and I, I felt like, I wanted to approach it that way as opposed to like this kind of we are the world too or something. Yeah. You know, when did you start playing music? Like when did you kind of know that this was the path that you want to take? You kind of touched on a little bit, but I'm wondering just as a musician, when did you start? I grew up playing piano, like doing classical piano lessons. Really? Um, yeah. And that was kind of like my outlet for 
you know, I have a hard time like expressing emotion sometimes. Yeah. It's just like a personal thing with me. So yeah. instead of like talking about things, I would just retreat into a room and just play piano for hours. And that was kind of like my outlet. Music and humor kind of both the same way? Uh, mostly music at first. The humor came later, I think. Okay. In my, in my 20s. But like, yeah, the music, I would do that. And then started playing guitar and when I was 15 or so and then got into punk bands and touring punk bands and went eventually went to college to study music like classical music and it's basically like the only thing i'm i'm decent at so i just ran i've been running with it <laughs> since i was like five um yeah and just have done a lot of different stuff within music like after college i was um like a music conductor for off-broadway shows in new york for really a couple years yeah i didn't get into like the pop production and songwriting and stuff until a little bit later in my 20s before that i was doing like a lot of other stuff so film, what, film scoring sound design what's a day in the life of that like being an off-broadway type conductor <laughs> well it was like i did like maybe three or four different shows in yeah. new york and it was it was pretty difficult. Like I, you would have to take a score from a musical that did or did not exist like on paper and teach it to the cast, like teach them the songs, play the piano and like rehearse the songs for weeks. And then certain ones, like I had to do a pre-recorded thing and record a bunch of songs that would play. Sometimes I had to be there live and like yeah. play and get a pit together, like a small pit okay. of musicians. Um, it was different for every show. A lot of the shows I was doing were like more experimental. So it wasn't like traditional, what? like Broadway show necessarily. Gotcha. Okay. That clears it up for yeah, me. Cause I had this, I had this big production. Like, <laughs> off Broadway is like Queens and Lower East Side. And it wasn't like, wasn't, wasn't, or we weren't in like huge theaters or small theaters, <laughs> yeah. black box theaters mostly. Well, hey, a good way to get in there and woodshed and uh, and figure some things out and hear some sounds that you might totally. not have otherwise. And, and just a good challenge to like get kind of like a storyline and be like, okay, let's try and score this. Totally, totally. Um, I mean, I did read. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, after I was doing all like a lot of the the theater stuff in New York, I just got to a point where I was like, man, these people are annoying. Like, like I love <laughs> I love theater people. Like, they're they're my people. But it just it was just like, it it was just it annoyed me after a while so like yeah. i got into um kind of like recording studio culture instead there was a lot of rap being recorded in new york okay. at that time which was like early to mid 2000s maybe mid yeah. to late 2000s there was still like a flourishing rap scene in new york so i got into like rap studio culture and that's kind of like how i got my jump into like producing and songwriting pop songs okay that's that's really interesting what a what a different path than i think most people take and i read somewhere that you um did some like some bootleg tapes is that right you used to go tape some shows or something like that and i'm I, the reason that that caught my eye is because i once had like i think like six dozen no six boxes of um grateful dead tapes in oh, like a closet I, it's probably somewhere in an attic somewhere i don't know where but i, I just was a huge bootleg dead fan you were one of those. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get no. I, what my first like experience recording was as a kid, like when I was maybe eight or nine, and I had this um, 
tape deck thing, like a portable tape deck, and you could record yep. onto the tapes. So I would like carry that around and record stuff. And that's kind of where I got my, it planted a seed, I guess. You never toured with Fish then and set up in the middle by the sound booth. I did not. No, I did not. <laughs> I'm not a deadhead. Although I do love the dead, I, I am not a deadhead. I wouldn't yeah. consider myself one, but I, I'm, I'm friends with many. So I know it's the, better that, I know the deal that you're the, not because this conversation would just go to that direction and let's keep it focused on on you. Um, let's go to um, let's, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about production because it seems to be a path that you've been on for quite a while. And yes. let's go back to Welcome to the Future because this is a highly produced song. Did you do most of this? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. I produced the song with uh, one one friend of mine helped me with it named nick coolidge he's been helping me with a lot of my um newer songs but okay. yeah it's it's basically me you know kind of having the session and doing most of the work when you um, get this many layers when do you when do you say like that's good this song was a little tricky i worked on it for five months straight maybe wow <laughs> so, yeah a little crazy a little too much free time and in the quarantine <laughs> Uh, I'll just be working on a song and if I don't think it's done, I'll keep working on it. You know, and sometimes that's like a couple weeks and sometimes that's a couple months and sometimes I don't, I can't finish it and I just have to put it on the side and come back to it in a year or something. Yeah. So that's why I have songs. Sometimes I'll release that I've written like six or seven years ago, initially like the little idea. And then I'll finally be able to finish it later. Um, yeah, it just takes a while sometimes with me. That song in particular took a long time. How does it differentiate from you coming from like the producer angle? And let's talk about some like a different artist that you've worked with in terms of like, um, you I want you to come in and help produce this song for me or a batch of songs versus like your songwriter. How does that kind of differentiate for you? If I'm producing for somebody else, it's one of two things. It's either like a work for hire where they're like, here, I'll pay you this and you produce this song for me. In which case, I don't really have much of an emotional connection to the song sometimes. I yeah. mean, usually I will if I'll say yes. Um, but, uh, you know, it's like a work for hire where maybe there's like a loose deadline. Like, let's try to get something done by around this time because that's when I want to put an album out. Okay. Um, or it's like completely for free on spec. Um, and that's historically a, a lot of the work I did, like most of it I've done through my career is just been for free, like on spec. And then if, if they like the song, then we figure it out with their label and whatever, figure something out. But um, yeah, I never really was like the hired gun type where like I would charge people or people would pay me to do, to block out studio time. I'd, I, I wanted to keep it more like personal and go in the studio with somebody because I liked their music and felt more like collaborative. Is that a goal? Um, Would it be a goal for you to have someone come and be like, I want you to produce this whole record for me. We've got 30 days in the studio. No, no. People no. do that sometimes to me. And I just say, no, I don't, I don't want to be like the higher, the guy who charges people like an hourly rate to go in their studio and work yeah. with them. I mean, unless it's like a huge, unless it's a band I love that I'm obsessed with, in which case I would totally go in and produce an album for somebody. Um, it's just like most, most of the people that approach me, I don't care for their music. So it's, I don't really say yes to many people. And I'm not producing for a lot of people in general these days. Um, I think a lot of the newer artists self-produce, you know, or they have a little tight team that they work with. Um, but no, I always like to keep it more like collaborative. 
Yeah. You know, I, I look at the producer as like an extension of the artist in a way or like a sounding board. And when you start charging them per the hour to work with them or like it gets it gets very transactional. And Got then it. you're looking at the clock and I don't like any of that. I just nah, like that wouldn't I, I can see that not being fun at all. Yeah. How did you get involved with a song like Stereo Hearts and just kind of the writing and producing of that? If I was just another dusty record on the shelf, would you blow me off and play me like everybody else? If I asked you to scratch my back, could you manage that? Like if we had chicken travel, I can handle that. Furthermore, I apologize for any uh, That song, um, originally I co-wrote with, I had a, a partner at the time that was like my business partner, production partner, um, that I, I co-wrote it with him and this other guy, Amar. Mm-hmm. And we, it was originally like a slightly different song. It was like more of like an emo pop punk thing. Okay. And um, we were like pitching it to, to artists to record the song um, for their albums. And um, somebody at Fueled by Ramen slash Atlantic Records heard the chorus. And then it kind of became this like bastardized, in a good way, bastardized like hodgepodge of a bunch of different people collaborating on this one song that kind of like yeah. turned into this entity of like rapping and singing and yeah um but the, yeah the original song uh was me and two other people that we like wrote on a piano um and produced and then it kind of so how does it go from a to b how do you connect that yeah a lot of a lot of <laughs> a lot of connections so like the we we cut out the ver- the original verses took the chorus this is like the, the label one of this. So like keep the chorus. Oh, okay. That, that, that's the key word right there. Yeah. Is... <laughs> this one was like a label thing, pulling the strings, but it worked out. So like they send the chorus to this producer, Benny Blanco, who's like a very yep. big producer in the day. Um, still is. But, and then like he makes the song around it, reproduces it, takes some of the original demo parts. Um, and then they send it to Travi McCoy from Gym Class Heroes, who does the raps it started to take shape. It started to be awesome. Um, Adam Levine jumps on the hook. Benny's friends with Adam because somehow, I don't know, they're talking and it's all just like cell phone conversations that Got it. people are having. He jumps on, does the hook, and then he writes the bridge. Suddenly, like, we have a song. They're like, whose song is it? Is it a Maroon 5 song? Is it this? You know, so it's it ends up being like Gym Class Heroes featuring Adam Levine. So they release it doesn't really do anything for a few weeks and then adam's on this new show called the voice which is like in its first season i think or second season yeah they don't he doesn't perform it but he gives it like a little 30 second shout out he's like yeah i got this new song i've been working on like they give it a little push um and that does it you know and then after that the song kind of like gradually over the course of a summer climbs up the radio charts and then ends the summer like number one on the pop radio chart for that year (laughs) was that your first time being a part of something like that yeah yeah before that i was like literally broke i was about to move back in with my parents (laughs) and we were the i had been working with my partner on like trying to make pop songs for two years yeah hadn't had any success we were like 
screw this. Like we're done. Like we were about to quit straight up and like, just do something else. And like literally a few weeks before that was going to happen, this song kind of started to take shape. So it was definitely like a, a life changing song. Stay tuned for more song facts podcast right after this. Ever wonder how my voice is bouncing off your eardrums so clean and crispy? No? Well, let me tell you anyway. The Lyra Microphone by AKG brings their legendary acoustic engineering to a versatile USB mic that delivers the highest quality audio in its class. USB connection. This is good for me because of the simplicity and the ability to just plug and play without an interface. You may have gathered from various episodes that I am doing this show on the road, so being that I record most interviews in a different location than the last, it is good for me to know that I have a high-quality, easy-to-transport-and-use USB mic like the Lyra to make sure my sound is clean. Whether you're like me and recording a podcast, a musician recording vocals or an instrument, or if you need to do a voiceover for a YouTube channel... Lyra's innovative AKG Adaptive Capsule Array adapts to your performance to record pristine audio. It has four versatile capture modes. What's a capture mode, you ask? That is how the mic picks up your voice. Just trust me, with these four options, it's really all you're going to need. With AKG Lyra, you'll be up and running in no time, no matter your experience level. There's no assembly, no need for separate audio interface, no fiddling with software settings. It just works right out of the box. And Lyra is something that is compatible with Windows, Mac, iOS, and Android devices, and all major recording softwares. So... If you're looking for a mic that offers ease of use along with a high-quality sound, check out the AKG Lyra and look no further. Well, and then since then, you've obviously been able to work with some pretty amazing people that I imagine that weren't really in your yeah vision just like i got i got a little list here madonna avici britney spears so i'm just kind of curious what excites you about taking on these sorts of collaborations i think just think the challenge of it like the thing for me is i don't listen to much pop music and i never have i'm i like yeah obscure indie music and punk rock and stuff like that and so for me to like attempt to make radio pop was always like a stupid challenge just like you know what how to how to do this so it was like a new challenge and so a lot of the artists i was working with like most people would be starstruck but i was just like whatever like i don't listen yeah. to your music and it, so i don't really <laughs> i'm not really like freaked out by working with you and so that immediately made it easier to work with some of these bigger pop artists because i wasn't really into their music uh, yeah. later like i've gotten to gotten a real appreciation for like what they do and uh, now i'm i would be more starstruck but like I guess I was like just too innocent to like really be affected by that. In, Probably in a good thing in the end, huh? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. What's the, uh, okay. So I want to kind of jump back into some of your music now. So you released plastic paradise in 2019 and was that the first release as baby fuzz? Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I have all these songs through the years, the demos and stuff that, hundreds of them like that I had written for other people and they were just like sitting on a hard drive and I'm like I gotta put some of these songs out like some of them are pretty cool you know and it was just like baby fuzz is like an outlet for me to release music um that has just been sitting or like stuff I feel is good that I've written that I want to get out there 
and it started as that just as like kind of a funnel to get some new stuff out and it over the last few years it's kind of like turned into a whole world i guess like it's an yeah. alter ego and it feels like more of a legitimate um project now but it started as just kind of a way for me to like get some cool songs out that i was sitting on yeah well i'm curious how this kind of the evolution of this so 2019 you got that album that comes out and now we're on the verge of releasing the new one and i'm just kind of you touch on so many different genres throughout these from what i've heard off of the 2019 album and then from what i've heard off of this new one and do you just is that is that another challenge that you like to seek is just i want to just try and like touch on all these different little pieces of genreizing things that i can so it started as just like me being unaware that like there was a (laughs) bunch of different genres on my first album is that and then as it was almost done i was like listening back and i was like oh I'm like, okay, is this a cool record to like listen to from front to back? <laughs> and then I realize it's completely disparate. Like it's not even close to the, you know. And so at that point I was like, well, I guess I'll just run with that. And so now yeah. it's like a thing where like each song is completely different. So yeah. it'll just be a punk song. And and the huge challenge is like trying to make them work on like a track listing of some sort or like having it, having it be like somewhat of a, listenable experience as you like listen from song to song and so that's always kind of a challenge um but i i'm kind of just like embracing the fact that like jumping from genre to genre might be okay and it's kind of interesting and it may be like one album can be like a punk rock album and one can be like a folk album it doesn't really matter yeah i mean you see touring behind any of these songs totally i i did a big tour last year although i mean by big i mean many dates of touring the shows were extremely small like bar, like coffee shops and dive bars no but last uh 2019 i went all in on the touring we i did i had like a band in new york we did south by we did some bigger shows in like la nice. new york and chicago and then i just i just like went all in and did solo touring for like a, over a hundred shows in 2019 in the states um and that was super crazy and super i don't it was fun ridiculous maybe were you tired well uh yeah i was driving i was the only person on the tour i was just like driving my van i roll up to the show play songs to like five people sell a little merch go sleep at the walmart and go to the next show and i booked the whole thing like on facebook so it was it, it's it at like after 20 days in on the tour it became performance art because it became a caricature of like a, a bitter musician <laughs> and so that's where the that's where the project really took shape dude like I love that's when this. i was like oh wait this whole project is dark comedy like i just need to run with this and so that's kind of where these like sad moments on tour where i was like on stage playing to two people drunk like that's kind of where the project went and that's kind of where i'm at for the second album 
bring bring these songs over to Europe like what we were talking about in the van. We'll go around in the vans and we'll my girlfriend and I will film it and we will just put together a little dark comedy documentary of this. This would be great. Dude, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, like so I, I'm a fun. fan of uh like Father John Misty and yeah, know, Mac DeMarco and or or like I got a lot of comparisons to Bo Burnham on tour. Kind of just like Really? Yeah, like self-aware dark comedy elements going on. You know, and then there you like be- the chat between your songs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had oh, bits. Yeah. I had like bits in the song <laughs> in the set. So I would do like comedy bits. But like I would be in a song and then it would it would go into this like rave sequence for like 10 minutes and like a, a TV preacher sequence. There was whole bits I had planned. <laughs> Some of them were horrible. <laughs> but yeah, it's like it was very experiential, the show in like a very, very small way. Well, for those lucky lucky ones that got to see it, I'm I'm envious. Um, I'm I, you also do a lot of so we talked about how you've got a song like uh, Welcome to the Future that's more heavily produced, but then you don't have a problem going and stripping it down and doing a song more like Sig. She got out. surface sounds a little bit more stripped down because it's soft but there are some layers to it um and do you find a challenge in kind of going in both of these different directions of this high energy stuff and then kind of bringing it down do you like kind of going the ebb and flow of that uh yeah i you know at first i was like confused about what my artist voice should be and that like am i singing soft everything like an elliot smith thing or am i because i have both in my repertoire and i don't know that either is like exceptional but i i think like i could do if i could do either i might as well just try either um i think i kind of i think this album the newer one is more of a high energy in your face type situation there are a couple ballads on it and some good ones but i think the first album was like a little more low-key and chill in terms of my vocal approach um the new one is as a little more screamy i guess Okay. But yeah, I don't have a problem jumping around. It's it's kind of just I think of each song as its own little film, I guess. And you know, the context for going from song to song is more lyrical than it is um musical, I think. Do you have a song off this new one that you're just like, yeah, this is this is me kind of more finding my voice. I'm kind of finding my groove here. It's hard to say. I mean, I lyrically, I really like Welcome to the Future. I, I, I'm proud of that one. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. I did a pretty good, a pretty good job there. But uh, it, it's still taking shape, and it's I don't listen to my own music, and I it's once I'm done with it, I'm I kind of try to move on. It's just embarrassing yep. for me. It's more of like, uh, you know, I hope people like it, but it, I don't really listen to it because it it is more of like I do it for therapy in a way. You know, I'm I'm doing the music and it is kind of a product that I, I hope to, you know, build a career on, but it's also like, I am doing it for personal reasons a lot. So yeah. once I'm, and that's the process of recording it. Like once I'm done recording it, then I kind of just move on, you know? 
Do you have more songs? Has Baby Fuzz got a third album in, in the works? Yeah. Well, the thing, yeah, the thing with Welcome to the Future is the, the part that's coming out in a few weeks, which probably last week in January at this point is going to be the release date. Yeah. Is, that's just half of the album. So it's like okay. a part one and a part two. And so it's season one and season two is <laughs> stupidly what I've decided to call it. So season one will come out uh, last week of January. And then the second half of the album will come out later next year. And it'll be like a double, double vinyl, like a double album, ultimately. Nice. Brandon, I appreciate the time, man. Thank you for hanging out. And, uh, and I love getting to know you a little bit. I Dude. wish I'm, I'm so happy your publicist reached out and got me to yeah. listen to some of this or else I wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have come across this, which I, why I do this because I love discovering new music. Yeah. Still obscure. It's fun. Dude, th- it was, it was really nice meeting you. Uh, enjoy your, your travels there and maybe we'll link up again soon. Huge thank you to Brandon for coming on the show and sharing some of his really incredible music with us. I just love when someone jumps around from genre to genre and really just shows their range as an artist. So thank you to him for that. And as always, for the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com. See ya. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.